Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLam, and I'm joined today by my daughter, Sarah Beth. How are you doing, Sarah Beth? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a busy day, though. <laughs> it has been. It's been a busy week. We're just coming off of uh, Thanksgiving holidays just recently, and we're all getting set up to move into uh, the new holidays coming up with Christmas and then New Year's, and, and things are happening fast. Yeah absolutely but i mean hey as crazy as it has been i heard you got to interview someone really cool lately who was that well listen recently on uh, november the 20th i believe is the right date north carolina state's women's cross-country team won the national championship and one of the key components yeah there we go right here right there oh, wrong side one of the key components of that team one of the athletes on that team is a young lady named hannah stillman she is a 10-time All-American in distance running. She is a phenomenal person, and I, I just enjoyed my time to be able to learn about her, learn about the team, learn about a lot of things that, that she has to offer. Well, a 10-time All-American, I'm sure she had something awesome to say. What did you learn from that? What is our audience going to learn uh, from your conversation with her? Some of the secrets to her success really are not secrets as, as much as it is uh, skills and things that she has learned to be the kind of athlete that she is. She has a great quote, and you're going to hear from it, but it's really about that, that you get better when you're pushed by other people. And she talks quite a bit about her journey to get to where she is right now. It is a phenomenal interview with an amazing young lady that I'm glad we got to interview early because this person, you're going to hear about the future. She's going to make a name for herself. She's going to be someone that is going to be nationally known when she when she uh, gets through with her journey. So I know you're going to enjoy it. I enjoyed it. So let's get to our interview with Miss Hannah Stillman from the North Carolina State University women's cross country team. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. Thank you for, for agreeing to be our guest. I know you're real busy with the end of school coming up for you, so but thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on. Well, I, I'm excited for one because of, of what just happened in your in your athletic uh, collegiate career, but also uh, because, in, and I, I will tell the audience in the introduction this too, is that I've actually known you since you were born. Uh, you know, I, I saw you when you were you were freshly born, so uh, it's great because I've known your family for almost thirty years, I guess. Uh, yeah, that, that is that wild. I, yeah, thirty Pretty years about. Ago. So, so our audience heard a little bit about you from us, but just introduce yourself to mm -hmm. them. Tell them where who you are, what's going on in your life, and what's just happened. Yeah. Um, well, I am Hannah Steelman. I'm a fifth year senior at NC State University and I run on the cross country and track and field teams. Um, yeah. And we are fresh off of the first ever NCAA championship um, winning team um, that happened last week in uh, which was November 20th um, in uh, Tallahassee, Florida. We yeah, um, years and years of hard work and finishing second 
at last year's championships and then to finally you know be on the top of the podium is just really special because that's never happened before in NC State history um and outside of men's basketball you know we're the only other championship so yeah lots of excitement right now yeah, we've had states had North Carolina states had individual champions in other sports, but never a team besides the mm-hmm. basketball teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this yeah. is what, the first one in 38 years. I think so. It's been you know a long time coming, and I think all season we had a lot of eyes on us, some targets on our back, and high expectations from you know not just people within the community and the school, but other teams. I mean, a lot of the nation was looking at us and. You know, they were like, if NC State puts together their best day, they can win. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's what we did. We had a near-perfect day, so it worked out really well. <laughs> well, how, how did you get interested into long-distance running? I know from your family, you come from a basketball family. I mean, your yeah. family, your brothers, <laughs> your dad, you know, are all basketball players. How did, how did you get attracted to mm-hmm. this particular sport? Yeah, I mean, it dates back to when I was really little. My dad um, did a lot of those road 5K races. uh, And then he would uh, make me tag along with him and do the kids fun run. Um, And I wouldn't really say it was forced. Like, I genuinely enjoyed doing them. And that's why I kept doing them is because I've always been a pretty competitive person. So for little me, I just use those as uh, moments where I could really showcase that competitive nature. And um, I just had this like natural gift for it. I mean, to be frank, it kind of did come naturally at first. And then my dad encouraged me uh, when I was old enough in middle school to go out for the cross country team. And instantly I was like, okay, I really like the sport. Um, again, like I was just pretty good at it and I like being good at things. So, um, yeah, I just stuck with it. And then through high school, had some challenges with the sport, went through some injuries and it really, um, I think through those trying times is when I realized I actually had a passion for it because I kept coming back regardless of, um, not being the best anymore or having all these curveballs thrown at me, um, and then I think that's when I realized, like, oh, you, like, really need to work hard for something if you want it. So, yeah, that just carried on into college. And the more little successes and improvements I saw in myself, the more I wanted out of myself. So mm-hmm. I just really kept at it. And um, I actually started I, – I haven't been at NC State my entire collegiate career. I right. started at a smaller Division One institution, Wofford College um, in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Very, very small, 1,500 kids. Still Division One, but definitely lesser well-known than NC State and a lot less competitive. Um, so coming out of high school, my goals running-wise were realistic for Wofford. Like, I could walk onto that team and I could run. And then by the end of my career there, I had gotten myself a full scholarship and um, good enough to be on the NC State team. So wait, a minute, uh, wait, wait. Let me yeah. back that up a second. So you walked on at Walford? Yeah, that's how I started. Um, wow. I think very quickly I got a little bit of scholarship money, like maybe like after my first race, um, mm-hmm. because it went so well. Like I think it broke a lot of records in Walford's uh, record book. And um, yeah, I think by the end of that year I had reached full scholarship potential uh because i'd made it to the 
NCAA outdoor championships in track? Do you think, you know, <laughs> that's just kind of what my mind because, you know, you go to Go Pack and you see your bio and first thing it lists is 10-time mm -hmm. All, you know, All-American, and I'm thinking mm -hmm. a 10-time All-American had to walk on at Walford yeah. in order to get recognized. Do you think it's because of the injuries that set you back, or maybe it was the location you were in? I mean, Maine's not known for, for high recruiting area. Um, yeah, um, I was going to say mostly location It was a big factor. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Maine high school running is just not very competitive with the rest of the country, but also just not being very serious about it in high school. Like I said, I had this passion for it and I loved it, but you said, you said I come from a basketball family. Well, I also played basketball in high school and I was really passionate about that and loved that. So running was not like my full-time um, sport and not what I dedicated every aspect of my life to. <laughs> like I just wasn't very um, disciplined uh, as compared to my college self. So I didn't really like care about how much sleep I was getting the nutrition part. I only ran when I was supposed to. So I only ran at practice, excuse me. Um, so I never really did runs on my own, didn't train in the summer. And I think that when I had the spot at Wofford, that summer was the first summer that I had actually trained and done consistently um, high mileage in the summer. And then all of a sudden my 5k time in cross country dropped two minutes. And then I was wow. like, okay, so like this summer thing or like actually training and like being dedicated is like worth it. It actually like shows results. So then I just think I had this continuing momentum and I just kept building and building. Um, so I think in high school, I just like didn't give myself an opportunity to unlock my full potential there. Um, but I will say I'm thankful for my experience because um, a lot of the times studs in high school will unfortunately burn out later mm -hmm. on, uh, or earlier than the others that um, had like more of a low key uh, high school experience. Um, so I was fortunate enough to find, you know, that competitive drive in college later and um I do believe that that will keep me fresh in the sport for longer. You got a great story. I didn't know all this. This is better yeah. than this is this <laughs> is great <laughs> because yeah, because most of the time when folks think of college athletes, they feel like okay, they've been training for this, mm -hmm. you know, from very early on because of the pressure that we put on young athletes so often to be on mm -hmm. these travel teams or these year-round competitiveness and and you know. I've interviewed yeah. a lot of mindset coaches that deal with athletes on this show, and they talk about how they get a lot of burnout, you know, especially between junior and senior year, that promising athletes yeah. get burned out. And I, I really love what you're saying. Thanks. Um, yeah. And, like, don't get me wrong. I had big goals as a high schooler. I just think that definitely, like, high school me, if you were to, like, ask me as my high school self, like, you're or like tell me like you're going to be a part of an NCAA winning team and it's going to be North Carolina State um and you're going to be able to run 1530 in the 5k like I just wouldn't have believed you like I would have been like oh you're you know that's just that's so far-fetched but um like I definitely had goals like that but I think in high school they were more unrealistic um at the time well how did the how did the transition or, or the, 
the transfer from Wofford to State occur? How did that North Carolina mm-hmm. State occur? I keep having to I keep having to correct myself because this goes all over the nation. If I say state, people won't understand. Yeah, what I'm different about here. <laughs> uh, schools in different states. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had been thinking about it for a little while before it actually happened. Um, it was my junior year at Wofford, and it was fall semester. I had just finished cross country season, and I kind of felt myself hitting a wall in terms of how much room I had to improve. I was just like, for the first two and a half years I was at Wofford, I felt like I had this steady improvement and it just like kept dropping and dropping, but it was definitely slowing down. And that's naturally going to happen at some point after you make a drastic jump, like that'll slow down before you make the next drastic jump. Um, but I was also training mostly alone. Um, and you know, my no, coaches made training alone. Why were you? Yeah. I mean, I was just very, um, I was at a different level than the rest of my teammates. Okay. Um, I'm very good friends with them, love them all. But I mean, even they would have been able to acknowledge like there was a, a difference there. And like, um, my workouts just didn't really mesh with theirs because I was doing, you know, higher intensity, faster paces. Um, my coaches at Wofford would accommodate me in the best way they could. They would throw some of the men's team in in with me or I would just hop in their workouts um but my season would also always go later so I would have to do some workout solo just because the rest of my team wouldn't have qualified for the NCAA championships and they were already taking their off season so Mm -hmm. in those situations I was forced to train alone and it was tough like I thrived off of that for a while I think um just because like I was seeing those like steady improvements, but as those slowed down, I found myself getting less motivated and having a harder time staying in it. And um, just as the improvement slowed a little bit, I was like, okay, I don't think I can continue doing this alone much longer. Like you get better when you're being pushed by other people. Um, And I think I just was looking to like, even, you know, improve more and make it to that next level. So I had it in the back of my mind, went home for Thanksgiving, talked it over with my family, and they thought it might be the best decision for me to try to look to transfer. Um, So then after Thanksgiving break, I came back in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I sat down with my coaches, and I told them that that was going to be my plan. And they it was a very hard conversation i was dreading it a lot because i love my coaches at wofford i still keep in touch with them to this day and it was emotional it was hard but they completely understood and honestly i couldn't have asked for um more support from them because immediately almost immediately they were giving me suggestions um because in this sport like you you become friends with other coaches so they were giving Mm -hmm. me suggestions of like where to look like where i would thrive where i would get you know chewed up and spit out. And um, Lori Hennis, my coach currently at NC State, uh, was, who, who was just named the let's National Coach of the out. Year. Yeah, let's do yeah. a shout out. Yeah, National shout Coach, out to coach of the Year. Hennis. She totally deserves it. Not surprising at all. Um, but yeah, like she was a name that quickly came out. And um, I had always kind of been intrigued by the NC State program. I had seen them in years past at competitions, and they always seemed to make it to those big meets and do pretty well and um, produce numerous All-Americans, podium teams. So that one wasn't really like hard for me to be like, 
you know, to kind of jump on. So uh, I was going to finish out my year at Wofford. That was the plan. And then the pandemic hit and mm-hmm. I was able to make the decision to like make my decision public sooner than anticipated, um, which was a little stressful. I thought I was going to have a little more time to figure it all out, but uh, it worked out really well. After the first phone conversation with Coach Ennis, I was um, sold on NC State. Well, they, I know they were excited to get you. I, I monitor some of the yeah. forums that, that State has for sports, and uh, there was hype. Even among yeah. guys who don't anything knew, didn't know anything about women's cross country, they were like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we're getting this great athlete," and I was like, hey, "I know this person." Yeah, so, crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Now you've said a lot of things here that 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 are just great stuff. The one thing that I want to get back to that I'm going to make as a hashtag or a quote poster with you is, "You get better when pushed by other people." Tell mm-hmm. me, tell me how a young person who is you know, an inspiring athlete, or maybe just trying to be the best version of themselves, how, you know, how they can use that principle that you just said and, you know, apply it to their life? Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, I feel like that stems back to something um, my older brother who works in a church, actually, um, wh- what he preaches, and that is like, you can't do life alone. Um, so in all aspects of life, I just feel like you are better off when you have support around you and people around you, um, just encouraging you or, you know, being there for you, um, as an outlet. And I feel like the same goes for running and sports in general is, um, yeah, like I just, I felt myself kind of plateauing and immediately, almost immediately when I got, people um, that were just as good as me or even better uh, working with me in workouts and pushing me every day. I was seeing improvements again and um, that competitive fire kind of like reignited. And Mm. then outside of running, I mean, those are just some of my best friends that I have when I need, um, you know, up, you know, to be uplifted or encouraged or um, just like when I want to hang out with some people. Um, Yeah. I mean, my teammates here have become some of my best friends in the world. So I just, I couldn't imagine like not having that social support. Um, and also just like not having those people to push me every day in practice because now like I can say like, I was just home for Thanksgiving and I had to do, I think three runs by myself. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I miss my team. Like, it's just (laughs) crazy how much they helped me get out the door. And, um, how much more, how much quicker a run flies by when I have them to converse with. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a game changer having people. Hmm. So a lot of, you would attribute a lot of your success, obviously to the people who are around you. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of goes back to that old saying that you're the sum of the five people that you hang out with the most. And so yeah. your, <laughs> your championship career has been accelerated by the folks that you've been around. Absolutely. And that goes, um, beyond my teammates, I mean, my coaches obviously couldn't do this without them. Uh, the support of family and friends outside of the sport. Like, I just think um, your social network is so, so important. And I also think that, um, I mean, to get like tie my school into it, studies show that like your mental health um, takes a hit when you don't have that like strong social network. I am a psychology major. So mm-hmm. um, I just, I know how important that is. And, um, 
I think that's something I had to learn because I think for a little while I was like a very, like I am an independent person, but I think for a while I was really stubborn about that. And I was like, I can get things done better. I've been more efficiently when I'm doing it on my own time by myself. And I just, I, I don't think that that is sustainable, that type of attitude. So you're dropping some truth bombs on some people. I hope the people that are listening here are taking <laughs> notes as I am because yeah. that's, that's pretty big. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a pretty big realization of realizing that I can go farther we, you know, with a, with a group than by myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not, it's not a personal, too much of a personal attack on anyone. Trust me. This is something I had to learn too. So. <laughs> well, I, I think everybody needs to learn that. And, Mm -hmm. I love what you said that you just had to change your mindset from high school to college. What was the difference in the discipline and the mindset change? Mm -hmm. You know, what did, what did you have to do to get to where you are now? Yeah, I think I just really had to keep my head down and um, just decide to make sacrifices in some areas of my life that, um, that would attribute to my end goal, which was uh, just to be the best I could be. That's, it's really just what I want and um, do it, you know, not just for myself, but the people around me do it to glorify God. Um, so I, yeah, the sacrifices I made uh, was getting to bed earlier. So I sacrificed some late nights, um, uh, lots of, not lots of, but some social time that just came with it. Um, you know, not staying up late with my friends who would want to stay up late all the time. And, um, also making sacrifices with like diet, you know, not necessarily cutting anything out completely, but um, being more adamant about like nutrition and like getting in nutritious foods um, and recovering well, um, which also meant just like staying off my feet a ton. I mean, all those aspects. And then of course, actually doing the training, like getting up relatively early because it gets hot in the summer in the afternoon um and getting the run done and then sometimes in running you have a second run later in the day and getting out the door for that one i mean it was just basically like throwing away the excuses and keeping my head down and um focused on my end goal wow you laying some deep stuff on some people i hope they're i hope they're getting this yeah let, let me ask you a little fun so question too. what do you think about when you're running what is going through your head is it because mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll give my brief experience for cross country was in high school. I, I did not do well. <laughs> I, I did not do well. I did get down around 19, which, you know, okay. that, was for a, yeah. that was for a three. But it took a whole season. I mean, I was like 27 yeah. or something. Sorry. I was horrible. Um, and that was walking some in that 27. I will freely admit that. I mean, major. What are you thinking? You, what are you thinking um, through that? Yeah, I think there's a difference between like a a run, like a normal training run and like a race. Um, mm -hmm. I would say racing so much of it is mental because I mean, the second that you check out mentally, you're done for like the second that you say this hurts, I'm over it. I'm giving up. You will. And, um, so during a race, like you really have to practice positive self-talk and, um, little, you know, little mantras, whatever you can to get yourself through that race. Um, some of my favorites, I think is just like mentally splitting up the race section by section. So like, maybe like thinking about only that first mile, like, okay, make it to this mile and then start again, you know, breaking it up in that way. Um, thinking about the team outside of myself, like 
thinking to myself, like, okay, I know you're hurting right now, but everybody else is in the same situation you're in right now. And they're still going like, you can do it. Um, just all this stuff. And then you practice that self-talk and workouts too, that get really hard. Um, but on a normal run day, when I'm by myself, uh, I think about a lot of things. Um, you namely, sing to yourself while you run? I don't really sing. Um, <laughs> but namely, I actually, I'm a very food-driven person. So I think about what I'm going to eat afterwards. I feel like <laughs> a lot. Um, so usually that's like, oh, what am I going to have for brunch today? Or, you know, if it's an evening run, like, what am I going to have for dinner? Like, that kind of stuff. And then, to be honest, that takes up a I'm a very food-driven person, so that takes up uh, quite a bit of my run. Um, and, yeah, I just feel like I get lost in my thoughts, but that is something that I for sure do think about is food. <laughs> I know one guy that, that, that I ran with in high school that went on to Campbell University and ran. He mm-hmm. would actually sing – uh, songs that would be the pace that he would want to set for himself. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I've heard other people do that too. It makes sense. He said he would have to come up with about five songs that were at the pace. He said because he didn't want to repeat them, and yeah. he would just do it in his head. He said that he said if I could do the five I, and I, I was finished, I knew I ran well. If I yeah. if I had run out of songs and I'd not finished, he says I knew somewhere along the line I'd yeah. give it, I'd messed up because it was not working right for him. Yeah, I will say there have been situations where before a hard run or workout, I've had a slow song stuck in my head and I'll be like, no, you got to get that out. Like we are not (laughs) about to go slow in this workout to get the slow song out of your head. Um, But yeah, I I can relate to that a little bit with the the songs, but I don't really sing to myself. Do you sing? I mean, I know your mom and dad do. They're very musical. I I love to sing like in my car, um, blast. Uh, my music and sing like I, I genuinely enjoy it but I don't I, I do it more for myself um, and for fun than like I probably wouldn't do it like to your parents. mom and dad that they are they have elite voices they could have made a career out of it if they oh had yeah to. that I mean my mom says it all the time she was like yeah I could have done this and I believe it she is I oh, mean they she, both have great voices so yeah your dad has that natural stage present of leader, but your mom's mm-hmm. voice is, uh, she got, yeah. she got, really yeah, good. she passed it on to both me and my brothers. So, well, one of my brothers is eh, a little like tone deaf, but <laughs> the other two <laughs> of us, um, we can like sing, but you know, we don't really like practice our voices like that, using our voices like that. So, um, it's just for fun. <laughs> I understand that completely. So, got a young person, they're listening to this, they're watching this podcast, and they're thinking, okay, I, I want to try to improve what I'm doing in my high school athlete. Tell them what your day, you know, an average life of a collegiate athlete is like. What is your training mm-hmm. schedule? And then they can take a look at that and maybe say, okay, well, let me pare that down and, and do that where I, at the level that I'm at. So, what is your average day? Yeah, um, currently what it looks like. It looks a little bit different depending on what season I'm in, but during um, the cross country season um, and currently I'm training for a track race um, that's on Saturday, actually. Um, I wake up about like an hour and a half before practice. um, And then we have morning practice. Um, I just wake up so I can, you know, feel awake for it, get, get in some coffee, a pre-run snack. 
And then we go to practice. That usually takes like two and a half to three hours, um, depending mm. on the day. And you're running a lot of miles, burning a lot of energy. So um, we'll usually do like a run and then some type of um, like supplement thing, like a strength mm -hmm. workout or something. And then I'll drive back to my apartment, um, shower, make some breakfast, or it ends up usually being brunch because it'll be like 11 o'clock by then. Um, and then I'll have like an hour or so hanging out with my roommates where we just like watch TV and eat our breakfast. And then usually we'll all go nap um, for like an hour or so. And then now I don't have class, but um, some afternoons I would have class to go to. So I would do that. Um, currently, it's it's just like studying for finals, doing homework and stuff like that. Um, but my my afternoons are pretty reserved for school stuff. And then um, I, I like to make sure I'm fueling throughout the day. So, you know, that means like having a couple snacks here and there. And then dinner is um, usually around like 536 for me. And um, I if I need to do more work after dinner, I will. But I have a personal rule of thumb that at 8 p.m. I'm done with all academic stuff. And it's like my social time or my me time, whatever that is. Um, and then I try to get to bed relatively early, like in bed by 10 is ideal. Um, and then asleep by like 1030 is my goal. Um, just so I can get like a full eight or nine hours of sleep because sleep is very, very important to the student athlete. <laughs> um, huge for recovery. So, I mean, my days are pretty, I mean, not, not like too exciting, but, um, yeah, they're just pretty standard. Well, I I hope the audience has picked up on the the fact that it, you live a disciplined life, but also a fun life. It's not mm -hmm. it's not a, a very you know strict you know every, there's no time yeah. to enjoy things that you are disciplined enough to get the things done when you need to get them done, so you have that me time later. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of life lessons in what you just shared. Yeah, I mean, I think balance is so important. I think if you're way too strict and serious about something, that's also going to lead to burnout earlier than you would like um and also it's just like yeah it's not fun like I mm -hmm. I don't want to look back one day and have any regrets about how I did things or um I don't know have maybe my kids one day ask like oh what was college like and then be able to look back and they like not be able to tell them any fun stories I had just mm -hmm. think like oh all I did was like school and run that's it mm -hmm. um no so I think I think like the social aspect of thing like of life is so important so I definitely you know, I mean, during season, our team is very smart about like doing smart activities that are fun together, um, activities that won't keep us out late or keep us um, from recovering our best. So, I mean, lately that's looked like game nights a lot. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Catan, Settlers of Catan, mm -hmm. but we love that game. Um, we love like to play cards, um, watch movies uh get food together just um you know nice safe smart fun so you're not finished yet with college nope. with your college career what is you know you're gonna finish i guess in june may that'll be the end mm -hmm. what what is left between now and then yeah so i will here in like a week and a half i will graduate with my bachelor's um in psychology and um uh, 
Then I still have two seasons of track eligibility. So there's the indoor track season, uh, which is in the winter. And then in the spring, we have outdoor track. So I plan to use those at state or at NC State, excuse me. And um, <laughs> and yeah, I will just take uh, some classes to be eligible in the NCAA, um, some non-degree seeking classes for fun. Um, and yeah, just spend most of my semester running and uh yeah enjoying all the time i can in raleigh and then after you leave uh north carolina state what's what's the yeah. future hold um my uh, tentative plan is to sign a professional running contract at the end of um the outdoor season um whatever that process looks like um, i will find an agent and they will help me get plugged in with the best uh contract for me and then wherever that contract takes me, I will be packing up and moving. So I guess we'll see um, where that takes me. But I would also like to um, one day start pursuing my master's in sports psychology. I think um, for sure I will take a gap year just to figure out the pro running mm -hmm. world and stuff. Um, and then try to get that degree online would ideally be the goal. And then one day to have my own sports psych practice would be um, amazing. But yeah, we'll see how that all works out together. Well, I, I think you could very well do this because you have given some really deep advice that you presented in such a way that I think some audience are going to miss. Oh yeah, you know, it's better to be when we're together, but there's so many, they're so deep on what you were saying. Oh yeah. And, thank you. And, and, <laughs> In the mindset, the relationships. I mean, I know that this is your first time probably learning about Generation Ziggler, but those are two foundational principles that we preach mm -hmm. all the time. And you oh, just great. threw them out there as a part of your lifestyle. And, and mm -hmm. you don't know how I was wanting to bust and just stand up and cheer here because you were reinforcing everything that we teach. Uh, so, great. Yeah, um, that makes me happy. <laughs> well, the last question that, that we have is a question we ask most of our guests is, what is the greatest piece of advice you have ever received oh goodness um, when i see when i ask that question and their eyes get big it's like oh my god because that is that is hard i mean that's a lot to unpack there because i've there's been so many things that like just even in the past week like week but leading up to the national championships there was so much like great advice i was given by my coaches and by my teammates um but my, the greatest advice ever i think I don't know if this is like necessarily advice uh, because this is just something that I've really learned to um, kind of use as like a mantra for myself, but um, just, I mean, it's very cliche, but just like trusting in God and like giving it all to God when things um, get hard or even when things are not hard, um, when things are going great, uh, you also want to look to God. You don't want to just look to him in times of need because that's not a true relationship with Jesus. Um, but I would just say that because I don't know, like the victories would not be possible without him and um, the lows, you know, we wouldn't be able to get out of those, get out of those without him. So I think like that would be the biggest thing for me. It's not really like advice. I mean, it's been, it, it gets preached all the time, but I think that's something that um, I kind of had to figure out on my own because once again, like you can't do life alone. Um, mm. So yeah, that's what I would say.
shout out to to uh, big brother matthew there i hear a little bit of echo yeah of his influence there mm -hmm. uh, he's I'll yeah he's that. great i couldn't ask for a better um mentor in that way yeah, that was one of the questions that I wanted to get to later is that who has been important mentors in your life? Because I was going to mm -hmm. uh, ask, did uh, did Julie Shea ever come and talk to the team or? Um, no, but I've heard the name. Well, she, you know, the, for those who don't know the North Carolina State University history, she uh, was ACC athlete of the year twice. You know, yeah, I mean, big, the, big name. In, in oh, yeah, running. she's mm -hmm. she is the biggest name pro mm -hmm. probably in the history Probably one of the biggest names in ACC, not just the university, but in ACC in general in cross country. Mm -hmm. um, so well, awesome! Thank yeah. you, thank you for agreeing uh, to to be our guest, and, and oh, congratulations course. on, on the success that you've had, and and well wishes for continued success on both winter and and spring track and and steeplechase as well, because you do that as well, correct? Yeah, um, lots ahead. So yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. <laughs> And to our audience, uh, listen, I want you to share, like, and comment on this video and this podcast. Someone you know, someone who works with you, someone who is an aspiring athlete or just an expiring, uh, aspiring student. They need to hear this message. They need to do this. But one last question. How can folks connect with you if they want to learn more about you? Where they can, where can they find information, um, mm -hmm. you know, connect? I, I got this right here uh, that they can find uh, yep. the... Uh, the, the the story of the cross country team there and can find a little bit about your bio but is it yeah. on instagram can they follow you there or yeah i am on instagram um my username is at hannah sealman underscore i think that's it um and then the same thing on twitter um those are the two platforms i'd say i use the most um definitely instagram i feel like is the most um prominent one for me um okay yeah those are the ones well, if that's that okay we'll put those in the show notes and people can yeah, link on those and and follow your journey there. So thank you again. Yeah, uh, thank for, you so much. And and for our audience, we'll see you again real soon on the Gen Z Show. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.